Leading Edge Medicine provides only general medical information. Since everyone's individual situation is unique, you should consult your own physician before taking any action related to your personal health. All content of this program is intended for general informational purposes only. Good morning and welcome to Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Yuma. Leading Edge Medicine is sponsored by Longevity Medical Clinics and is devoted to helping you feel and function better tomorrow than you do today by providing the newest and most advanced medical care designed to improve both your body and your brain. Leading Edge Medicine will keep you informed regarding the very latest developments in science and medicine while highlighting some of the Northwest's most prominent physicians, all while helping you separate the science from the silly and the facts from the fiction. This is live call-in radio at its very best, giving you the opportunity to participate in the show. And now, here are your hosts for Leading Edge Medicine, Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat, along with their co-host, Lynette Morgan. Good morning on this frosty Saturday morning. Hi there, I'm Lynette, along with Dr. Samira Umad, and we also have special doctor in, special doctor, I want to say that, another special doctor in our studio today, Dr. Michael Gilbert. Wow, thank you. I feel so special. Yes, you are, Dr. Michael Gilbert from Northwest Vision Institute. Uh, so this is the day that if you've got eye questions... He's the guy. He, he's right. in the know. He's, um, yeah, and he's wearing his Christmas sweater. I ho, love ho, ho. it. Look at spirit. that. <laughs> he's yes. definitely in the Christmas spirit. I opened the window this morning the and weather, I said, oh, yeah, it is a Christmas sweater day. Right. Look at that. The totally. weather outside yeah. completely reflects that, although, you know, it's a little early in December for, for <laughs> Christmas, but hey. Oh, never. It never is. too <laughs> early for Christmas sweaters, although I'm still in my fall My colors. staff this year in October was saying, do we have to wait for Thanksgiving for Christmas carols on the office uh, <gasps> oh, sound system? Oh. Or, or can we do it early? And yeah. I said, <sighs> all right, the week of Thanksgiving, <gasps> we can start, <laughs> but not before the week of Thanksgiving. Right, right. And uh, there's a lot of Christmas spirit around here as well. Yes. You know, little wreaths and yes. gnomes and things all around the office. Yep. So, yeah. Playing Christmas music. Oh, yep. we... we there are no holds barred at my office. Um, we have someone who is very artistic and does a grand job. There, we do Christmas like I know no other medical office does. Christmas. How cool is that? Oh, we I believe we it. We should have a Christmas, competition. Christmas trees, <laughs> the the paintings on the wall uh-huh. yes. get taken down. <gasps> And foil wrap and ribbons, <gasps> so they look oh, like packages, they look like and presents. then put back up on the wall. Okay, okay that's we got oh. little figures around, and, and uh, it's okay. It's well, to be seen. All right, your office wins the prize. Yes, they do. <laughs> that is pretty that awesome. Is awesome. It yeah. is Christmas wow. spirit. Thank it you is very indeed. much. I love we'll it. take it. Yeah. We'll yeah. take it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. love all the decor. Yeah. yeah, a lot of hustle and bustle. <laughs> uh, great time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited because uh, the studio that... Oh, speaking ah, of excited. Oh. There he is with a suitcase in tow. <laughs> All right. Yes, Dr. Jerry Mixon is here as well. His flight got canceled. So he's here. 
Yes, that'll be awesome. It'll be a great show today. So anybody listening in, my gosh, this is the day to call. Oh, we've got every doctor here. Dr. Hewitt, Dr. Gilbert, Dr. Mixon. That means I won't have to answer any questions. (laughs) (laughs) And you you will have to to. tell everybody the phone number. Oh, yes, I will. In fact, let's do that right now. 800 Four six five eight seven seventy is the number. It's eight hundred four six five eight seven seventy to get through on our lines for leading edge medicine this morning with your questions. So, Doctor Yumat, anything going on? We were not here live in the studio last weekend. We had time with families Thanksgiving weekend. That was nice. Uh, we played back some of our favorite, um, some of our favorite phone callers with mm-hmm. questions. Last weekend. So uh, anything new that you've noticed over the last couple of weeks? You know, um, in medical news, the big issue is the viral infections still um, really very critical in the office, mm. in the hospitals. A lot of people are falling sick. So do want to acknowledge that. Oh, yeah. Um, do, it's a viral infection, influenza, um, RSV and COVID all three together. So this is one of the worst years for COVID in, in living memory. Um, and I think it's because we've been isolated for a couple of years and now everybody's been out and about and so you know just be careful if you know you are at risk do what you need to do to protect yourselves do get the flu vaccine um, Mm -hmm. and uh, stay safe if you are infected don't go out and you know don't infect others Um, we are taking all precautions in the office and um, you know we do believe in our holistic approach to healthcare. so uh, we do talk about antioxidants vitamin c and just uh, rest and uh, a lot of times you will get better. Some people are needing to go to the hospitals. They are asking that you go to your primary cares first instead of going rushing to the hospital. The emergency rooms are all busy right now at this time of the year. Um, but in terms of longevity, um, Dr. Mixon and I t- briefly talked about this recently, and it's something that's a little difficult to explain, but... It's talking about maintaining health during aging and how the health span is so critical and what medical medicine can do is improve lifespan but that green band in that lifespan the healthy aging band that is so critical um, age itself is the number one cause of disease and as we all get older we are more prone to illnesses um, and then in modern medicine with the advent of antibiotics management of chronic diseases we can help improve aging span but not necessarily the health span. Mm. But here at Longevity, what we're focused on is trying to figure out how we can help you improve that healthy aging span and stay in that green zone for as long as possible. And that's actually where Dr. Mixon is headed next week. And he'll be on with us shortly and he'll talk more about this. But it is important to do whatever you can. And you know, that premise of, well, we're just getting old, this is inevitable, is just not true anymore. Right. And so it is important that you understand that science has advanced and we're here to help you and we are 
trying to get objective information to share with you about the latest advances in how to remain healthy for as long as is conceivable. And I'll steal this phrase from Dr. Mixon, as he says always, you have to stack the odds in your favor and then play the game. And he teaches us this every single day. And, you know, when you are trying to do everything you can, you can change the trajectory of your own health future. And that's what longevity is all about. And the important thing is starting early, starting when you know nothing is wrong. If you wait for things to go bad and then go, hey, what can you do for me? Well, we're already behind the eight ball now. But if you come to us when you're feeling good and you know, okay, I'm hitting those 40s and 50s. You know, I'm not as fast as I was, not as sharp as I was, not as energetic as I was. And you know that this is head, you're heading down the same path your parents did. And you're saying, you know what? What can I do to avoid it? Well, you can avoid it. You don't have to say, well, this is the genetics I inherited. And oh. therefore, oh, well, mom had diabetes, yeah. dad had hypertension, somebody had cancer, somebody had dementia. So I'm going to get it yeah. because you can change that for yourself. Uh-huh. Let me give you a, a, I think, a clear example of that. Yeah. And welcome, Dr. Mixon. Well, wow. Thank you. Thank you. He's, he's all yeah, dressed he's in a suit and tie. Yeah. I don't yes, think I've seen this yes. before. Well, so. I was supposed to be having lunch with the dean of the medical school and then getting a video interview and then meeting with the heads of the research departments and stuff. Instead, I'm here with you with us. Oh, And he, he looks amazing. So well, fun. he always looks amazing, but he looks uh, formally amazing. Okay, now I'm embarrassing right. myself. Okay, okay, so what's the deal? Yes, well, what's going on? If you have an APO Epsilon 4 gene from each parent, so we call you a 4-4, Mm-hmm. You have a 50% chance of being demented by age 60. Wow. Okay. But people focus on that and say, wow, 50% chance of being demented. But I'd like to point out 50% of the people with that same genome will not be demented. Mm. It's not the genome. The genome provides propensity, your risk factors. What makes the difference in that half of the people who get demented and the half who don't get demented is lifestyle. Okay. And something as simple as your weight makes a difference. Okay. People that are significantly overweight have a threefold increase in dementia over people that stay lean. The problem is that in modern America, the majority of people over 50 are overweight to obese. Mm. In fact, 30% of people under 50 are now overweight or obese. That's the scary part. Okay, So just weight. Being overweight increases the risk. Well, 20% of the cancers in America are caused by being overweight. Mm. You two and a half times, to actually 2.7 times fold risk of heart attacks and strokes, threefold risk of dementia, yeah. uh, diabetes. You know, the Center for Disease Control now says that one American in three will become a diabetic before they die, and weight is the single most uh, important factor in whether or not you become a type two diabetic. 
uh, osteoarthritis Mm. dramatically increased with increasing weight. Mm -hmm. So the genome is important, but 50-50, half will, half won't. The half that don't are the half who change their lifestyle. If we take a person in their 50s and they are not yet demented, but they have a 4-4, if we alter their lifestyle, their exercise, their supplements, and their hormone status, we can reduce their risk by 80%. Wow, that's huge. That means you go from a 50% risk to a 10% risk. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, there's still a risk, Mm -hmm. but I'd rather have a 10% risk than a Uh, 50% risk, (laughs) right? So we want you to shift your odds in your favor so you can relax and play the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and something that you just said, Jerry, is very important. We will provide all the tools for you to succeed, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you really have to put in the effort yourself. I cannot sew your lips closed to keep you from eating. There is no (laughs) drug. There is no single pill. Everybody asks me, what do you mean, Dr. Human? There's no pill for this? No, there isn't. I I mean, the only pills for that are on the magazine ads at the checkout counter in the grocery store. You know, take this pill and you have your beach body in two weeks. No, you won't. Um, All you'll do is you'll make them rich. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably get some headaches and other weird side effects, too. I mean, there are some new um, type 2 diabetes drugs that are being touted for weight loss. Unfortunately, you know, that's the wrong reason to take that drug. Yeah. What's the deal with everybody? It's also $1,000 a month. Okay. Ozempic. Wow. Isn't that the one? That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it works. Uh, people who take that shot, and it's, it's one shot per week uh, over the course of a two-year period, will lose on average 18 pounds. Wow. Okay. Um, it's better than gaining 18 pounds. Yes, yes. <laughs> but let me put that in perspective, okay? There's 3,600 calories in a pound of fat. One average slice of bread is 100 calories. One slice of bread per day less is 10 pounds a year. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Shots <laughs> or... Remember he said less. doesn't mean you compensate with something else. That's right. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, that, it's that 100 calories. But you know, this is the thing, right, Jerry? A lot of times people think of less as a loss, right? Yeah. So you have to change the mind shift a little bit. You have to think about the gains and not the mm-hmm. losses. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, if you're out and you do a 30-minute walk, a brisk walk each day, that's 150 calories a day. That's 15 pounds a year. Yeah. (laughs) And you burned back your slice of bread. That's right. Thank you for that, Dr. Gilbert. Better yet, you skip the bread and and you do the walk. walk And you lose 25 pounds this year. Now you're negative. (laughs) I'm really feeling guilty about my walnut cranberry bread breakfast uh, toast this morning. <laughs> and I walked to the, to the car. So I'm, yes, you did walk the guy. Okay, and these doctors, I tell you, they're not just really saying guilty this. now about the whole morning. Uh, Except that you are lean. Yeah. You are very lean. I was going to say they practice what they preach. The they are all you lean. Put me on radio instead of TV, though. Uh, 
<laughs> hey, we're going to take a, a few more to share. <laughs> we have a quick, we're going to take a quick break here uh, and be back with Leading Edge Medicine and your questions. Phone calls already starting to pile up. Look at that. 800-465-8770. That is the number to call in. 800-465-8770. We have Dr. Umat in the studio. Dr. Jerry Mixon, fresh from the airport, still right. in his suit. And wearing his Christmas best, Dr. Michael Gilbert from Northwest Vision Institute. We'll be back and we're going to talk to Benz calling in from sunny Florida in just a moment. Stay there. Aging gracefully is a terrible option. Learn to live to your fullest potential. It's a lot more fun. Call with your question at 1-800-465-8770. That's 800-465-8770. Stay tuned for more. Is chronic pain beginning to make your everyday life a challenge? Then consider the only doctor with over 30 years of experience in pain medicine techniques, including stem cell therapy. That's Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, with Eastside Pain and Regenerative Medicine. Here's what a satisfied patient had to say. Yeah, I started about like a year and a half ago. Uh, I started having some sharp pain in my left hip. It's getting tough to climb upstairs, uh, tough to play with the kids. Everybody was kind of pointing towards the same thing of, you know, you had to get a hip replacement. And Dr. Nelson's great about saying, hey, you know, there's there's different types of medicine out there that we can help fix this without surgery. Six to eight weeks later, you start to realize like, oh, I, I can climb a stair. And it was really actually kind of great after that eight week mark, like oh, I can start doing things. So definitely see the results pretty quick. Don't let pain take control of your life. Consider stem cell therapy with Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, 425-823-4000. That's 425-823-4000. Or you can find Dr. Daniel Nelson online at DanielNelsonMD.com. I think it's a wonderful thing. And not reacting after the problems it's trying to prevent the problems from happening in the first place and the, the thing i like the most about everything that i've learned is it all makes very logical and intuitive sense i'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter and make believe it came from you Oh, welcome back. This is Leading Edge Medicine. My name is Lynette. I'm here with three wonderful doctors, Dr. Jerry Mixon, Dr. Umat, Dr. Michael Gilbert from Northwest Vision Clinic and uh, Institute. And you know what? We've got like four callers on the line. We've got a little of everything to start off our show. Let me talk to one of them. Okay, we, let's get Ben's on the line. Uh, Ben's is calling in from Florida, I imagine, from the lounge chair in front of the pool. Is that correct, Ben's? <laughs> Hi. Uh, thank <laughs> Maybe you for not. taking my call. I, I, I'm, I'm close to close to the water, but not, okay. not quite. <laughs> okay. Right. Yes. What can we do for yeah, you? Thank you for thank you thank you for taking my call. I'm calling regarding uh, my creatinine. Uh, I've had some uh, elevated uh, levels uh, over the last uh, year or so. Uh-huh. And I'm just trying to find out what I can do to improve it. I recently took uh, the uh, senescent treatment, and I don't know if that's something that can benefit. And also I had a question regarding the uh, kidney cleanser, if that's even something that's 
something you would recommend. So. Okay. I generally stay away from those things that are promoted as kidney cleansers or liver detoxes. Um, they okay. basically make you poop a lot. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> there are a couple of things, you know, generally when people's creatinine and, and BUN start to rise. And by the way, let me let me explain a bit of this to the rest of the audience, because most people don't, don't know what we're talking about with creatinine. OK. Um, when your body is processing proteins or your own muscles are wearing out and being replaced, uh, there is a byproduct called creatinine that is released into the bloodstream. And your kidneys are instrumental in clearing that from the, the bloodstream. So we use blood urea, nitrogen, and creatinine as measurements of how well your kidneys are functioning. As your creatinine starts to rise and your blood urea nitrogen start to rise, um, we get concerned. We call this chronic kidney disease, chronic kidney dysfunction. Um, it doesn't become a kidney failure until you've got a creatinine up close to two, at which point we start thinking about things like uh, you know, making long-term plans for dialysis and so on. And then, Jerry, one other yeah. measure is also the EGFR. Right, yeah. The glomerular filtration rate, which should stay over 60. Uh, and as that drops down into the 30s and 40s, we get quite concerned. Um, traditionally, there has not been a whole lot to do. Most of what a nephrologist does is simply monitor you and watches you as you slowly decline until you reach the point that you need dialysis and or a transplant. Mm. Uh, that's has always frustrated the hell out of me that we have a whole specialty dedicated to watching people slide downhill. Uh, well, remember also there are a lot of um, medications that are culprits here. That can so, cause problems. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, one, two, and three causes for kidney diseases, medication, medication, and medication. Yep. So you want to be careful of what medications you are taking. If your creatinine is rising, you want to make sure your doctors are aware, The everybody that's treating you so that they don't give you medications that might inadvertently cause the creatinine. You can change your diet. So, Well, if your kidney function is getting bad enough, you have to change your diet. You have to start limiting protein intake. But in older people, limiting protein intake accelerates muscle loss oh, and, wow. and helps you to become sarcopenic more quickly because older people need about twice as much protein as young people, and yet older kidneys don't tolerate it. Oh. That's one of those catch-22s mm. we get into. Yeah, but, you know, other than animal protein, there's a lot of plant-based proteins that are actually healthier for the kidneys. Less damaging. Yes. Yeah, and it's a matter or a degree. Yes. You know, but again, it's just the function that those kidneys are less and less competent to clear proteins, exactly. period. Exactly. So there are a couple of things that are a bit off the wall and are not FDA approved for improving kidney function, but there is some research data showing that it probably helps at least a bit. One you've already done, which is the anti-senescent therapy. And anti-senescent therapies decrease the senescent cell load in the kidneys and allow the healthier cells to do a better job of replacing themselves. There are some supplements like spermidine that in, increase the ability of your body to undertake uh, uh, 
autophagocytosis and replace cells. Um, Growth hormone has been shown in some people to help your kidneys grow new tissue more efficiently. Uh, It is not being used that way under any sort of current FDA protocol, and yet uh, it does have a history of growing, and as you would expect, growth hormone helps you to grow tissue. Um, And then the last one is probably rapamycin, and that is also being used to improve kidney function, mostly in animal studies. I don't have any human data in which they've used it to improve the kidneys, but kidney function in a wide variety of, of mammalian species have improved on the, on the rapamycin. What we didn't ask him was if he knew what the cause of chronic renal insufficiency was for him. That's and true. treating that underlying cause would well, be let's, critical. Let's correct that oversight. Tell us, sir, <laughs> has anybody told you why your kidneys are having trouble? Um, no, I, I actually, I am a patient uh, with longevity. Um, okay. And uh, they're not really sure. I have been referred to a kidney specialist. Uh-huh, nephrologist. And they're mon- yeah, yeah ne- yes, nephrologist. And I, he's, mon- he's, just, he's kind of puzzled why, because all the other... Indicators as far as diabetes, I have no diabetes, high blood pressure, good, uh, mm-hmm. fairly good. lean, um, that kind of thing. So he's just kind of puzzled why everything else seems to be intact, and that is well, it's vacillated from July of 21, 1.3, okay. uh, then uh, November of 21, 1.5, then mm-hmm. July of 2022, 1.4, October of uh, this year, October 14th, 1.7. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, that mm. 1.7 is obviously of concern. We'd like to keep it below 1.3 if we possibly can. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So yeah. I, that's where I was up, up <clears throat> until, well, up until one from when they started tracking it in July of 21. It was right one through one, right around one to one, uh-huh. two, one, three, like that. And then, yeah. And so, one, no. one to one, two is, you know, as we age, is perfectly acceptable. But one, three, I started to get concerned. And when you go over one, three, then we get more and more concerned. And one, seven is obviously kind of scary. So... So, you know, I mean, what, acute kidney injuries, some of the things to think about would be any prostate issues, uh, mm-hmm. maybe renal calculi, something acute and sudden, definitely medications and drugs, but he's under the care of a provider, so they would have known that. Yep. Um, but any BPH symptoms? Prostate enlargement, prostate? slow urination. Um, well, it seems to be okay. Uh, I, I do... Um, have uh, urgency at times because they ask me to drink, you know, water. To, uh-huh. So when I drink the water, then I have yeah, to go. what goes in has to come out. Uh, That's true. All yeah. right. and so I, but I think it's fairly um, uh, in 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 a good area as far as the urination. I 
I can go okay. fairly easily. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, we're actually more concerned about the frequency with which you have to go. If you're getting up, you know, two, three, four oh, times oh. a night, then that tells us your bladder is probably not emptying completely and you're just urinating off the oh. top, you know, the top volume oh, okay. of the... Uh, so if you're sleeping pretty much through the night or only getting up once, I'm, I'm less concerned about that. Oh, yeah. No, I'm normally, normally it's, it's one time. Um, okay. Then there's times when I, if I drink water later uh-huh. in the evening, I, I will have to go more than once. Okay. And, more than and what we're getting at is that if the prostate is too large, it obstructs the urinary outflow, the bladder right. doesn't empty completely, and you start getting back pressure up the ureters towards the kidneys, which can cause kidney damage or infections. But it doesn't sound like that's I, that's your issue either. So, well, I, I don't know. I, I have been told my prostate is is um, a little bit large for okay for, um, for your well, yeah it's well, been a, while a little now. large period. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you might want to bring that up to your nephrologist. Mm. Um, you know. Nephrologists don't actually do prostates, but he, if, if he's concerned, mm. he may want to run some studies just to make sure that you're not getting back pressure on the ureters. And uh, then if you are, having the urologist help you, re, you know, relieve that pressure. Yeah, and your longevity doctor will know your PSA levels. Right. Um, and sometimes they will go up if there's an infection. Sometimes they don't, but, you know, you'll have symptoms. Mm. That's right. Anyway. I did. I did. I did have a, uh, I can't remember what test is. They he wanted to check the kidney itself. Uh, had um, where they go and it's kind of like you know when they check for pregnancy. Uh-huh. What, what's that called? Ultrasound. He checked. Also, thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, like an okay. ultrasound, and that uh-huh. checked out okay. Okay. Yeah, because that'll show the ureters yep. if they're distended. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, yeah. I don't know that and we've been a lot of help question. to you. Yes, sir. Well, well, just related to the kidneys, like as they, if I, because I do feel like, like, a, like, a, I don't know, pain and kind of itching a little on my left side, a little on my right side, on, on the kind of my my middle, the upper back. Is that do you think related to the kidney? Well, that's certainly where the kidneys are located. So, you know, the question is, itch, itching, though, is usually more of a surface thing than an inside but issue. pain is a calculus, so kidney stones. But ultrasound should have picked up something. Yes, it should have. Yeah. So, Maybe some chronic have, issues, have, yeah. Because I have, excuse me for interrupting, I also have scoliosis, and I'm wondering if that puts pressure on my Back. It, it would have to be pretty severe scoliosis. To, yeah, but oh, also okay. you know, if he has some minor or small cysts, so renal cysts could also be causing the issue. So I think the best thing is what you said earlier, Ben's being under the care of a nephrologist mm-hmm. and monitoring those creatinine levels. Certainly don't take anything that is toxic to your kidneys in terms of medications or supplements, and then cut down your protein intake in the diet. Yeah. And if you get sick and somebody is talking about an antibiotic, warn the doctor that you have kidney insufficiency, renal insufficiency, because some antibiotics can be pretty tough on the kidneys. Okay. All right. Yeah. right. Okay. Oh, yeah, Ben. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Good. All right. All right. Hopefully right. we've been helpful, Ben. We've got to take a quick break. Okay. All right, thank, thank you, you for the call, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Good luck, Ben. Yeah, yes. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. This is Leading Edge Medicine. We are going to take a quick break, and we are back. We've got several callers waiting on the line here. We're going to get to Carl next. And here is our number to get through. We have room for you as well. 800-465-8770. That is 800-465-8770. We'll be right back. Leading Edge Medicine. Listen to past programs by going to lmclinic.com. Call in now at 1-800-465-8770. That's 800-465-8770. Pete Talbot here again for a good friend of mine, Dr. Michael Gilbert of Northwest Vision Institute in Bellevue and Kirkland. My wife Vicki and I have been seeing him for over 20 years. But most importantly, Michael and his entire medical team are simply amazing, offering what virtually no other clinics offer, an advanced ocular exam. Honestly, it's like Dr. McCoy on Star Trek compared to the typical eye exam you're used to. For nearly 40 years now, I've been researching and interviewing physicians throughout the country, and I can tell you whether it's LASIK, RLE, refractive cataract surgery, retina, or dry eye problems, without question. Dr. Gilbert and all the doctors at Northwest Vision Institute are some of the most advanced in the Pacific Northwest. To schedule your advanced ocular exam, go to nwvision.com, nwvision.com, or you can call 425-450-2020, 425-450-2020. I finally went and took that free test, and it didn't hurt. I went ahead and, and uh, moved forward with uh, genetic testing and inflammatory markers and stuff like that, so I'm encouraged to see what those results are. So. How would this work for my father at 80 years old? certainly Woo-hoo. ramped up the bumper music. Oh, haven't boy, we? yes. Didn't sound like Christmas to me, no, neither. No, no. Maybe we should get some Christmas. Maybe we'll we're getting close. Engineer. I think so. little ELO for you this morning. Woo! Woo! Hi there, Lynette Morgan with you, along with Dr. Jerry Nixon. We have Dr. Michael Gilbert, my doctor, and Dr. Samira Yumat, also my doctor. I feel so healthy just being in, in their <laughs> presence right now. And this is Leading Edge Medicine. You even look better this morning. I know, right? Okay. Okay, so <laughs> we uh, we have our phone lines open for you if you have questions. 800-465-8770 is that number. We've got quite a few callers, so let's just dive right back in. Carl is calling, and good morning, Carl. Hello, Dr. Mixon. I read a book a couple of years ago called The China Study. You uh-huh. may have heard of it. Uh, yes, and, I uh, have. Yes. Yes, and, and you've got a Chinese wife, so I thought, you know, I think I'll ask the doctor any any reflections you have. You know, I'm a, a Caucasian American, and this study was done in China. So yes, it was. Is there, is there, yeah, is there anything? Uh, the bottom line is, 
their their vegan diet. And uh, I thought, quasi wow, pork is pork is the, yeah. the the single biggest second biggest protein load. Uh, soy is number one protein in China, and pork is number two. Um, with chicken following up, they don't do a lot of beef. Hmm. Uh, yeah, the China study, it was a, a multi-year, probably the most comprehensive nutrition study that has ever been done. Um, and they looked at a whole lot of stuff. Uh, they looked at the diets. They looked at activity levels. Um, they looked at age-related dietary changes. Um, I had some questions about the about the China study and their conclusions. Quite frankly, uh, you know, they were they were saying stay away from milk, stay away from anything that has had a pesticide sprayed on it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's, I guess, most Asians need to stay away from milk because they lose their ability to handle lactose in their teens. Uh, Caucasians usually lose it in our forties, and uh, Africans. I uh, usually can tolerate milk products up until old age. So that's one of those racial genetic differences in, wow. in milk tolerance. Um, so I, I think that, you know, the genetic differences in Chinese and the Western world are significant. Um, for instance, even skinny Han Chinese have a high risk of type 2 diabetes, and yet in the Western world, it is only the overweight and obese that we see type two diabetes. Uh, so there's, you know, there there are some big, big genetic propensities that are different between those two populations. I think more important is to look at what's changed in America's diet between the 1950s and today. In the 1950s, the obesity rate in America was under three percent. Wow. And obesity was, in fact, a rare, a, a, a rare condition. Um, we're the same genetic stock we were then. We have not shifted that much. What's shifted is our diet and our lifestyle. And our activity has dropped significantly. Again, 100 calories a day in activity is 10 pounds a year in weight gain. So, you know, 10, 10 years at 10 pounds a year is 100 pounds extra fat. Mm. Um, and that's just from 100 calories a day. That's walking one mile for a 150-pound woman. Okay. So activities have changed dramatically in the ensuing decades. And our portions in, in restaurant meals have more than doubled. Uh, if you look at the portions in restaurants back in the 1950s, they were tiny compared to what you buy f in a restaurant today. Mm, yeah. Uh, so we have we've made some, you know, some big big changes in the way we eat, and we've made big changes in the way we move. Yeah, you're right, Jerry. And along with that, we eat more refined carbohydrates and not enough complex mm -hmm. carbohydrates, which has made a big shift. You know, easy accessibility to breads and pastas and uh, potatoes and then also uh, sugars. So uh, instant gratification with that uh, chocolate cake or candy that we just um, think eat mindlessly most well, of the let time. Me, let me point out another big change, though, that was a giant social change. And that is 1960 when the birth control pill came out. Okay, 
uh, birth control pills started decreasing the number of children women had in America, and more and more of them went into the workforce. Oh. If you go back to the 1940s, 1950s, the typical American household, the husband was out of the home working, and the wife was at home cooking home-cooked meals. And she would go and buy the fruits and the vegetables and the meats, and she prepared it at home three times a day uh, and had total control over what the family was eating. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, the two-worker family is the standard. Families in which the wife stays home, you know, and and did the more traditional 1950s and below uh, lifestyle are essentially gone. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about difficult issues here, so let's maybe get off that topic. I believe that both couples have equal responsibility in see, running that household. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but, but Samira, that's a new, that's a new attitude. There was not the attitude in the 1940s and 1950s. Okay, mm-hmm. what we're looking at is the difference in our social structure. And those differences in social structure have consequences. If both husband and wife are out of the home and neither one is there fixing meals, then we eat more pre-prepared foods. We do. And, yeah. and our, our grocery shelves and our food supply has accommodated to that social change. We, it has. And <laughs> yeah. more processed foods are more readily available. Precisely. Yeah. And that, so my, my point here is, there's nobody to blame for this. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is we have undergone a social revolution. We have. And, and it started in 1960 okay, mm-hmm. with the advent of the birth control pill. That radically shifted attitudes and structure of American society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying good, bad, or indifferent. I'm saying it happened. Right. <laughs> right. But one of, remember Dr. Mixon's first rule of medicine and is also, by the by, my first rule of life. Yeah. Anything strong enough to help is strong enough to hurt. Yeah. There's a downside to everything you do or don't do. Every decision you make has a balance to consider. Yeah. And when we shifted our society as radically as we have shifted it over the last 50 years, there are consequences on both sides of the ledger. Women are more free to be personally fulfilled, to work in the workplace, to get out, to do and accomplish. We have more female CEOs of companies. There is a radical shift in women's empowerment. But a downside of that is there is nobody at home fixing meals from scratch Mm. like there used to be. But also, Jerry, the food itself is not the same value. So say you did have somebody at home, no matter who, uh, going to the grocery store, buying it from scratch and preparing it, but the nutritional value of that same food is not the same as it was in the 50s and 60s. No, it's not. But the the makeup is, is what is mostly different. If you were eating a lot more in the way of high-fiber vegetables Mm -hmm. with every meal Mm -hmm. instead of refined carbohydrates. But you see, the refined carbohydrates were the market adjusting to the social changes. Mm -hmm. The reason we have so much pre-prepared, high-refined food in our society is because society has changed. It has. And the market always responds to change. Yeah, and it's a little bit slower, but you know now if you go to the grocery store shelves, you will find 
pre-cut vegetables as well. But yes. how many of us will grab that as opposed to the sandwich that's pre-prepared, right? <laughs> it's a choice we make. It is. You know, it is. And but like I said, I, I, I think that looking back at another society... Yeah. Okay, which was, and this study was done, by the way, over a 12 or 15 year period through the 1960s and 70s in China. Oh, wow. So that's. <laughs> yes. Right. It was Quite in the mid 70s then. in China. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very different from 21st Very century right. America. Very true. Very right. true. Very true. <laughs> so I, I, I don't draw great conclusions from the China study. Where I draw my conclusions from are the changes in our own society. Okay. And you can say they are good, you can say they are bad, and I say they are a mix like everything else I mean, in the life. Framingham study, <laughs> they just are. The Framingham study also looked at many similar lifestyle issues, but not as in-depth as diet as the China study did. That's right, yeah. sure. But like I said, I, I'm not sure that the China study really has direct application to our society. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so there are things we need to do different if we want to stay lean. And you know, one of those is we have to make a conscious choice in what we're going to eat and when we're going to eat it and how often we're going to but eat it. But, you know, I will also add, Jerry, that um, food sensitivities are important. Many of they us are. are very sensitive to a lot of foods. And some of the common food allergens, in fact, are dairy. Mm-hmm. And so I, and we at Longevity are doing more and more food sensitivity testings. And I'm amazed at how many things I find people are sensitive to. Some people... People sure. will tell me, oh, you know what? I knew I was almonds weren't good for me. I used to feel off, and here it is. It's black and white sensitivity to almonds. And so it's not that you can't eat almonds ever, but we do a rotational diet. We do desensitize you, and then we introduce the food again in the diet. But it is knowledge that is power. And so food sensitivities are important, and dairy is one of the major culprits for food sensitive. Eggs, dairy, these are important. And if you do know, then you can avoid certain foods to be healthier mm-hmm. still comes down to what how often how much very true it does indeed you're That's right right yes all right oh thank you so much carl for your call hopefully that was helpful for you okay we're going to take another break here and then be back with well a question where the eyes have it <laughs> oh how exciting oh yes with dr michael gilbert that's coming up in just a moment this is leading edge medicine we'll be right back leading edge medicine leading edge medicine don't believe the lie that you have to fall apart at the normal rate and see what your options really are at lmclinic.com. Stay tuned for more. Longevity Medical Clinic is happy to announce that Longevity Development, the business and marketing arm of Longevity Medical Clinic, has entered a strategic management relationship with Paramount Pharmacy. As a medical clinic, we cannot tell anyone where they have to go to fill their compounded prescriptions. We can only make suggestions. But for the last two years, we have referred our patients to Paramount Pharmacy for three key reasons. Excellent quality control excellent pricing, and excellent customer service. And now, due to our new management oversight and relationship, Longevity Development and Paramount are actually working together to better serve our patients. A team approach to better health care. 
it truly can make a difference. And now, to celebrate and to convince you that we truly feel we can better serve your health needs while saving you money, Paramount has agreed to make an offer to all new patients willing to give Paramount a try. On your first prescription only, Paramount is offering you a 90-day supply for their 30-day cost. That's right, a 90-day prescription for the 30-day cost. All you need to do is call Paramount at 425-251-1660. It's as simple as that. Call 425-251-1660. I've been away for five weeks. I've been in Italy, and i got to tell you, I kind of miss you guys on the weekend. <laughs> you have this uh, rare honesty that you find in Europe, but you don't see in the United States. Everybody's too careful about what they say and don't say, and I just love the fact that you tell it like it is. And we're back. <laughs> Leading edge medicine with all the doctors in the house. Yeah. Dr. Jerry Nixon. You know, there's no trouble with having so many of us in this little room. There's oh. no trouble at all. There's no room to dance. That is true. <laughs> I'm dancing, Jerry. Yeah, next time you build bigger studios, we'll make sure to have a dance. Oh, actually, you know what? Did this you? wall, yeah, so. this wall right yeah. behind me, yes. we are talking about ripping yeah, this wall out. That's what I was just going to say. Making this room twice as big so we can add cameras and make it a video. Oh. Oh, then I'll have to put makeup on, more makeup on. That's the okay. Beautiful. We'll all have to dress for work on Saturdays if we do. Turn down Jerry, the lights. Jerry will have to put makeup <laughs> on. And every time we go to a commercial break, the disco ball goes, right? That's right. Oh. That's right. I got one of those at my other studio, so I'll maybe no. bring those. Why wait in. for commercial break? I know. Right. Well, you know what? The disco ball reminds me of a slightly odd story from uh, early in the clinic when we were trying to figure out how do we market, and we had not really performed affected the, the, this radio show quite yet. And so I put an ad in the Seattle Gay News. <laughs> now, <laughs> Oh my God. Where is this going? <laughs> oh boy. And look at the yeah, time. It was, a, yeah, <laughs> it was a remarkable ad because it showed a, a, a you've seen the the what do they call it with the guy standing with his arms and legs separated? It was a, a not Michelangelo. Um, oh, oh, the Leonardo, uh, yes. Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci, da Vinci. Uh, okay. yeah, the, right. the ideal man. And it was a a man standing under a waterfall in that pose. And then we wrote the article around this half page picture. Got an enormous response. Mm. Got an enormous response and uh, uh, upset my company president at the time because he was a very 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 rich fundamentalist Christian, and he did not want to serve the gay community. But uh, I'm still wondering what the article was about. <laughs> waterfalls. Or, or did it matter? I think it was waterfalls. With, okay, so with the waterfalls. waterfalls. Yes, yes. Yeah. okay. And uh, But the fascinating thing was, I actually had a patient one day come in, and he said, you know, I see so many of my gay friends in this waiting room. The only thing we're missing is a disco ball on the ceiling. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, okay. So that's, that's right. why you're coming about the disco ball, that, that brought you back. Brought, that to mind. brought you so, back. Still don't know what the article is about. Teenage years and a dance night, maybe. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that later. Right now, let's talk uh, eyes. Oh, we, good. We have Francis oh, ready to talk. Francis, good morning. Good morning, Francis. Call, calling in from Seattle. Hi there, Francis. Hello, Francis. Oh, Merry Christmas to all of you. I just love you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes. Oh, ho. 
I'll listen to you every weekend. I always pick up something. So God bless you all. Um, Thank you. Dear. First, I have actually two questions. My first question was to the, the eye doctor because I recently had a fall and um, I had my eyes examined because um, it was a facial thing and I was worried about I might have some eye damage. And um, they, um, I've been back and forth two or three times. And they said everything was okay, but they I asked her about cataracts, and she says, "Oh yes, you have cataracts, but don't you no worries, you know, just just check back with me in a year." And it's just like, oh God, what does that mean? And then my second question was, um, I was a single mom for a long time, and I had my own business. And I was a heavy drinker. So I'm trying to, um, uh, I have some liver damage, but not a lot. But I just wanted to know what's a healthy way to get my liver back. That's it. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk eyes first and then talk about healthy livers next with one of the doctors. Well, first I want to make uh, a comment on the fall. Um, some very interesting data that shows that bifocals, bifocal glasses, have a high increased rate of of uh, senior patients falling. Mm. So that's something to just bear in mind that, um, you know, make sure that your glasses are, are fit in such a way that the, the bifocal doesn't get in your way, especially when you're going up and down stairs, mm. because there is a little prism shift uh, that's inherent in that technology, and it can cause losing a little balance, losing your perspective, much higher and unfortunately in the senior population. With those are the folks wearing bifocals. That's right. Yeah. Progressive yeah. or light bifocals doesn't matter. If you have a fall and you break a hip or something uh, like that, it can start a very difficult spiral. So um, well, it's not just broken I bones. I'm sorry? I was going down the steps. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just a caution for those who have or uh, think about wearing bifocals, you can switch to single vision for walking um, or get your eyes fixed so you don't need the darn things. Which, yes. Which brings us to your cataracts. That's what I did so, with Dr. Gilbert. So when do you get it fixed? Um, yeah, and the best news is... Um, while I do uh, surgical missions in uh, West Africa where folks uh, have no option, they're, they're totally blind when we take care of their cataracts. We're not there in the United States. You get to decide. And the truth of most uh, insurance programs is they base it not on my judgment, but on your lifestyle. So if it's starting to influence your lifestyle, then it's time to fix um, uh, by most uh, standards. Standards, and because of the risk-benefit, that's pretty much uh, my standard as well, um, which is to say I had mine fixed in my 50s. Why? That's young. Yeah. Um, it used to be it was in our 70s and 80s that we fixed cataracts. However, the techniques, the technology, the implant technology 
Now, there are many more patients. My most common patient, a common question from patients who come in in their 50s and 60s is, am I a candidate for RLE? Mm. What's RLE? Well, RLE, which has um, has been, you know, highly talked about mm-hmm. uh, in advertising on the radio, is really just cataract surgery before you have enough, them bad enough that the insurance wants to pay for it. So it's the exact same surgery, exact same technology. And I kind of did that myself. Uh, doing it in your 50s um, allows you to have some controls, and you just look at the risks and the benefits. So the best news for you is if it doesn't bother you, almost certainly you don't have to fix it. On the other hand, if there are some things that you would like of your vision, um, when we take out the cataracts, we replace it with a crystal clear new lens. The number one symptom that we're usually addressing is glare. Like around here, night driving starts about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> You're right. right. This time of year. And, you know, people tell me, oh, I've had to give up night driving. And I'm saying, have you looked out the window today? It looks pretty dark. So um, so oftentimes just dealing with that with glare is the number one symptom. But others who say, I am just so tired of my darn glasses. And there are patients who started out not needing glasses ever for nothing, right? Mm. In their 20s, 30s, 40s, uh-oh, mid-40s, they start needing it to read. Yeah. By 50s, they're losing computer. By and, so, and then it starts to dip into their distance vision as well. And so these are people who are used to that independence. And so many times now, we're just dealing with that instead of waiting for it to get symptomatic and that's that's called RLE but it's the same technology where we take out that failing natural lens replace it with a new lens and that new lens can pretty effectively deliver distance intermediate and near and the technology for those improved implants um, it continues to evolve um, the ones that I have uh, there's much better now and uh, much more reliable and predictable. So that technology continues to be more and more attractive. So, Dr. Gilbert, along that same line then, is there an advantage to waiting in case there's something better around the corner? I think, yeah, that's absolutely, you know, of course. You have an Apple uh, uh, laptop sitting in front of you. Is there an advantage to waiting for the next laptop, or is there one... So, honestly, I will tell you that um, my husband is waiting for the new iPad, the Apple i. So he didn't buy his last year because the (laughs) Apple technician told him, you know, the next one, next one, (laughs) faster, cheaper. So seriously, obviously, that's very different because once this is done, most likely it's going to be good for life, and that's one of the important questions that I get asked: how, how, you know, do we have to do this? again. No, once that implant's there, one of the reasons I did mine in the fifth, in my 50s is once that's done, I should have that implant stable. The vision should not likely change again for decades, the rest of my life. 
Okay. So the implant technology. So then you just have to say, is the benefit that I'm getting now, if for someone, you know, if you have dry eyes and you're contact lens dependent um, or you're tired of your glasses, getting that change now, you'll have years of benefit Right. with today's technology. How much are you going to gain by waiting? Well, I don't doubt the technology's better, but it's pretty impressive today. And I was persuaded enough that my risk benefit was entirely yeah. in favor of me doing it then. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And and so I think it depends completely on what are your list of benefits. Got it. It's so individual. It's a lifestyle question as opposed to a pathology question, which yeah. is what we used used to be the right. single issue. Right. Diagnose my pathology. Is my pathology now bad enough for the insurance to cover it? Let's fix it. Right. Now I certainly have a wealth of those patients who want to wait. No harm. That's fine. And then I have a a rapidly growing group of patients who, more like myself, said this is not just inconvenient. It's beyond inconvenient. Fix me now. (laughs) Quality of life. And I am so much happier because of the changes. I no longer need contacts, which means my dry eyes are less of a problem. I was able to heal my dry eyes. Getting out of the contacts, and I have an increased range of vision, and I'm not dependent on the glasses. I can wear cool glasses. Yes, you yeah. can. Right, by the way, but I don't need them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it it is a lifestyle question, and you get to make that decision. That's right. right. Now, Francis, hang on. We're going to go to break at the top of the hour here because I know you had another question too, and you may have some more eye questions for the doctor as well. So stay right here. This is Leading Edge Medicine, and here is that number to get through today. It's eight hundred four six five eight seven seventy. That's eight hundred four six five eight seven seventy. We'll be right back. 